Welcome to the podcast that's focused on everything you need to know to drive your athletic career. Welcome to Eye on the Prize with Dr. Todd Schragen. I'm so excited to have Dr. James Glenn on this morning. He is a sports psychologist who's worked with individual athletes from the high school level, college and professional level. He has a specialization in sports and exercise psychology. And not only that, Dr. Glenn is a former professional athlete and coach, which he really understands how to keep your eye on the prize. Dr. Glenn, good morning. Uh, thank you. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm psyched. So what does a sports psychologist do? Actually, because a lot of people don't really understand or know much about it, because even though it's been around probably 35, 40 years as a specialization, it's really only in the last, I would say, like five to 10 years, it started to become a little bit more widespread and, and, and known. Um, essentially, a sports psychologist really um, addresses anything sport-related that is impacted by your mind. Now, um, you know, when I typically when I give talks to people and stuff like that, I start off by sort of asking people, you know, if you think about your best ever sports performance, your best ever performance ever, um, how much of that is down to your ability, and how much is that down to sort of your mental focus? Um, during the thing and most people will say listen when I've played my best performance ever it's like I'm focused I'm 100% dialed in um, so I would be like it's like 90-10 you know um, and then I ask people so when you're practicing how much of your time do you spend on the techniques and the physical side versus on the mental side and most people will say it's the other way around it's like 90-10 so my my sort of selling point for sports psychology is the idea well if you're saying to me that when you're playing at your absolute best and you're dialed in, it's like 90% mental and only 10% of what you can actually do. Why are you, when you're practicing, flipping it the other way around and spending only 10% of your time on the thing that really gives you the most edge when you're playing? So ideally, that's what we do. We just work with sort of helping people understand how the brain impacts performance. Interesting. Interesting. So in the the topic of performance anxiety can yep. you explain what performance anxiety is like physiologically uh yeah so normally when i talk about anxiety the first thing i always try and stress to people is you know anxiety gets a really bad rap right everyone assumes if you get anxiety it must mean it's a bad thing anxiety is actually a very necessary thing for us all to experience we need anxiety um in real world application terms anxiety is what gets you to study for your for your test Anxiety is what gets you to go to practice every day, you know, so it does have a very positive impact on us. But when it becomes problematic and it becomes in this idea of like your, it's impacting your performance, it's typically because it's gone from what is a positive thing and like basically like gets you up in the morning, gets you going to practice, gets you turning up to games on time, gets you doing your warm up routine and all that. And it turns into more of a hindrance, right? And there's that this very fine line. Now they talk about, um, you know, the, uh, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of this, but the inverted U hypothesis, right? So the inverted U hypothesis is basically that you draw a graph and you've got the U going upside down, so it's an inverted U. And the idea behind it is too little anxiety impacts you in a negative way. Too much anxiety impacts you in a negative way. Mm -hmm. So the idea is you have to operate in that little sweet spot, okay? So what we try and do is we try and understand what that sweet spot is. Now, 
So, uh, you know, another example I sort of give to people is when it comes to performance anxiety is, um, you know, you talk about any sport you play and, and I normally sometimes use basketball as an example, right? So um, a free throw, okay, is, is the best example. Now, a free throw is probably one of the most anxiety producing thing a basketball player can have because it's just you, it's just a basket and everybody's watching your every move, right? Even right. everyone's just stood around watching, so it's like if there's if there's in that particular sport if there's an anxiety producing moment that's it. It's so, giving me anxiety just thinking right, about it. Right. It's 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 the sort of thing that if you if people if if basketball players have nightmares that's the thing they have nightmares about, right? Standing on the free throw line, everyone watching them and missing the free throw, right? Wait a minute. On that, let me yeah. interrupt. So there's people who do have nightmares, but then there's also someone like a Michael Jordan who thrives right. in that moment. Absolutely. How do you, Absolutely. is there, if I, maybe you go down the road and answer that, but. Yeah, so, yeah, no, absolutely. And then that, and that kind of ties in. Essentially, the reason Michael Jordan thrived in that moment was because he had the attitude of basically this idea of like, if you don't buy a ticket for the lottery, you can't win the lottery, right? So if I don't take the shot on, I can't score, but to take the shot on, I have to also acknowledge that I might miss, right? So what, when it becomes problematic is, is basically in terms of when you end up focusing solely on the outcome, mm -hmm. okay? So performance anxiety becomes problematic when you're focusing on the outcome, because when you're focusing on the outcome, you're focusing too far ahead of where you actually are, right? So in terms of performance anxiety and what, what Michael Jordan would do and what anybody who thrives in that position, they don't focus on the outcome. They understand that the outcome is the outcome. The outcome is whatever it's going to be, right? So if I don't take the shot, I don't even participate in the game, right? So what I do is I take the shot. And if it goes in, great. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And what people don't realize is from Michael Jordan, if you watch Michael Jordan's career, for every like last minute game winning three pointer he, he, he scored, he missed like 30 or 40 of them. But people don't remember those, right? Sure. They remember yeah. the ones he scored, right? But he didn't let that bother him either. Every time he missed, it didn't matter because the next one could go in, right? And so, so what you have to do is you have to focus on not the outcome of it, you focus on the technique of it. So in, in, in terms of like basketball three throws, whenever I'm working on people and trying to get their performance sort of anxiety under control, what you say to people is, listen, you can't control whether that ball's, ball's going to go in once it leaves your hand, right? But what you can do is you can control everything before it leaves your hand, hmm. right? So what you do is you focus on the technique part of it because I know if your technique is right, the outcome takes care of itself, Sure. right? But if you're focused on the outcome, I guarantee you're going to miss something in your technique as you're doing it, which is going to impact the outcome negatively. You can't control the outcome except your the outcome. technique. So, and this is, so that's what anxiety is. So anxiety is essentially huh. is when we start to spend more of our time focusing on the stuff we can't control versus the stuff that we can control. And whether it's in sport, whether it's in real life, if you think about any time in which you felt anxious, it's because you are worried about stuff you can't control. When you can control it, there's no anxiety because you just do it. You just deal with it, right? So that's what anxiety is. And that's what performance anxiety is. It's spending so much time or more, the majority of your time focusing on things that are out of your control rather than focusing on things that are in your control. So then you can, I was going to ask them, what are the techniques to overcome it? So the techniques to overcome it is, is exactly that. 
there's there's two there's 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 two two types of goals that we we set and two types of approaches that you do. There's 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 long term outcome performance and there's process performance. Now what you do is you focus on the process. So if you if I use my example as uh, with basketball, right? You you take it you dial it right back to the technique. What are the elements of a good free throw? Right. So it's making sure your feet are in the right position. It's making sure your balance, your knees are bent, your wrists in the right position. You make the right follow through. Now, if you do all of those things, your chances of that ball going in the basket are really high, right? But if you are focused on the fact that the, whether the ball is going to go in the basket and you're not focused on those things, then you're more likely to maybe have your wrist in the wrong position, not be relaxed, not have your knees bent, not have your feet. And if those things are going to impact the outcome, but those things are things that are in your control. Like I said, once the, once the ball leaves your, leaves your hand, what happens to it next? Like a bird could fly and whack into it. Like you know, Those are all things that are out of your control, right? If you're talking about um, um, uh, American football, you're talking about a field goal kicker, right? The wind, the conditions, not in your control whatsoever, right? But what is in your control is the actual technique. And that's why when people are really good, all they, they just practice the technique over and over. And when they're going, they focus. They don't focus on the crowd. Crowd, crowd is just is white noise, right? They focus on the technique 100% because they understand if I get the technique right, the outcome takes care of itself. It's the same deal as like in real world in like if you're taking a math test, you can't control what questions are on the math test, right? The only person who controls that is the professor, right? But what you can control is studying the material. So you know if I study the material well, then it doesn't matter what, what, what goes on that's out of my control, I know that my chances of passing that test are really, really high because I've taken care of the thing that I can control, which is studying the material. I can't take it. I can't, I've got no control of what is on that sheet of paper in front of me. So, and that's what you do. But if you spend your whole evening worrying about what questions might be on the test, right? A, you're probably going to be wrong, but you spend all that time worrying about something you can't control instead of spending the time worrying about something you can control. There's a preparation and practice yeah. or focus. Preparation, practice, and focus, and, and focusing on the right things. The other thing about, you know, performance anxiety and anxiety is you, you try, also try to do, is you try to get people to be consistent, right? Our brain is all set up about triggers. When you get a trigger, your brain automatically do some, does something, right? So if you think about, and I know a lot of this is aimed towards like younger kids, but if you think as an example, like driving a car as an example, um, and if anyone's got their parents, right, you're, you're driving a car, you go to a stoplight, right? You see a stoplight. Now, you don't actively think, because you could be engaged in a conversation or anything, you don't actively think that you have to like acknowledge the stoplight, take your foot off the gas, put your foot on the brake and gently apply it to a thing. You're not even aware that you're doing half of that stuff, right? But what has happened over years and years and years of practicing and driving a car and seeing a stoplight, your brain has been triggered. So as soon as it sees a stoplight, it just automatically does those things, right. which is why you don't have to pay attention to it, right? You can continue a conversation. You continue singing, singing to the song that's on the radio, do whatever, because your brain is automatically triggered that 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 stimulus equals that reaction. And sure. it's exactly the same thing in sport. If you're consistent in, and we talk about like consistency of preparation. So if, you're, if your routine pre-performance is consistent, what you're doing is you're signaling and triggering your brain that what happens next and it does the thing. And the, the other idea is, is you talk about keywords and I'm, I'm a big one on keywords. So when everyone's going to do anything, especially something like, as an example, we, we go back to the free throw, the basketball, you know, whenever you go on a free throw line, my, we, I work on people with, with keywords, 
what are those key words that you can say to yourself that now trigger your brain to focus on what you're supposed to be doing, right? And not getting caught up on what's going on around you. So one thing might be just something as simple as take a breath. And you know, as soon as I say take a breath, that means all of these various things, get your feet planted, relax your body, get your wrist in the right position. It might be anything. It could be sandwiches. It doesn't really matter what it is, but whatever it is, is that word then triggers and signals your brain to say, all right, I know what's supposed to happen next. And that's how you do that consistency. And the more repetition you do it, your brain actually changes. Your brain actually starts to create mental shortcuts that automatically A happens and then B happens. And it happens all throughout our day, you know, all throughout our day. If you're talking about an athlete, um, let's say someone chucks an athlete a tennis ball and a tennis ball comes and an athlete's just going to just catch it, right? That's just, that's not, that's, that's not active thought process because that ball's moving too quickly for you to actively go, oh shit, a ball's coming towards me, right? I need to go and catch it, mm-hmm. right? That's just like, I, I catch it. And because what's happened is, is your brain has been trained. Any, anytime an object flies at you, you catch it. I do exactly the same as a former, a former soccer player. And it, it gets me in all kinds of trouble. Anytime any object falls towards the ground, I stick my foot out to catch it. It doesn't matter whether it's a sharp object, a, a soft object or whatever. And I have broken my foot plenty of times because I'm like in the kitchen and I've dropped something and I stick my foot out and it whacks on the top of your foot, right? Because it's just, it's ingrained as soon as it's the training as soon as some soon as your 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 brain gets that trigger your body reacts and it's exactly the same in everything the more consistent you can be the more your brain starts to change in how it interprets things and it gets those signals to do that to, to do whatever it is so it's just it's consistency it's repetition it's like doing the same thing over and over again is that the concept of neuroplasticity or yes yes yes, yes. which which is which is which is really good when we're younger, which is really, which is why it's really good sort of young into teenage years, you start to develop this stuff because your neuroplasticity is much greater. As we get older, just like everything on our body, it starts to crap out on us, right? So as we get older, we get less and less flexible in our thinking. So anytime you're trying to introduce something new, it's harder and harder for your brain to accept it. It does eventually, but it just takes longer. But when you're sort of younger teenager, these sorts of things are easier, much easier for you to get on board with and your brain to accept. So it's especially as a, a young adult, a teenager, those are the best times to, to, to start to work on this stuff because your brain is much more willing to accept the, the information and sure. the change. That's so interesting. So when people do, when athletes are talking about being in the zone, mm-hmm. what is happening physiologically? And are there ways to train your brain to get in the zone? So, yeah, so physiologically, that's a really good question. So physiologically, kind of basically what happens in your body when you're, when you're in that zone, it's your body is on, essentially it's like it's on autopilot. And that's why people often talk about it. When people, you talk to people about when they're in the zone, they kind of just, they're, they're like, it just, it's just natural. It's just happening, mm-hmm. right? It just everything just flows beautifully, right? And it's because, it's because, mostly it's because you're relaxed and the reason you're relaxed is because your brain is not focusing on all this external stuff that you can't do anything about so it all comes back to your brain if your brain is tuned in then your body follows right the body doesn't leave the brain the brain leaves the body right so if the body if the brain is tuned in and the brain is is again talking about all the stuff that you're supposed to be focusing on you're focusing on all of the the sort of the processes that's when you start to get in the zone because you're no longer, you're, everything is peripheral. Everything outside of you doesn't exist, 
So it's all tied together. It's the same it thing as the performance anxiety. It's just, it's all about the. It's it's all about it's all yeah it's all about you know anytime you talk about performance and any performance essentially and you're talking about anxiety or whatever essentially you're talking about am I focusing on the things that I can control versus the things that I can't control and just in general as a life lesson if you think about any time in which things aren't going your way it's normally because you're not focusing on the stuff that you can control because if you can control it you can impact the outcome of it right so it would go your way the only reason it's not going your way is you know you might be having you know as an adult you might be having an, an issue at work where someone's not pulling their weight on a project an example right and then you're getting really frustrated and you're getting annoyed about the fact that they're not pulling their weight and then that annoyance is causing you to then start to make mistakes on what you're doing all because you're focused you can't control what your what your co-worker's doing your co-worker is your co-worker if if there was a way to control the external stuff around us like and I'd figured it out, I'd be a billionaire because like it would fix most of the problems, right? But there isn't that, you can't control what's outside of you. All you control is you, yourself and I, right? And that's all you can do. So when you focus on what's under your control, that is when in anything, your peak performance is gonna happen because you are, you are just focusing on what you can do. And then once it leaves you, you have to like relax a little bit and chill out and just say, listen, whatever's going to be is going to be because I can only do up until a certain point. You know, if I'm playing soccer and I pass the ball to someone, once that ball leaves my foot, it's now up to the other person. I've got nothing to do with that. But all I can do is make sure that when I pass the ball, my technique's good. So the ball makes it where it's supposed to go. Hmm. Same thing. Tennis shot. If I'm playing tennis and I hit a shot, I can't control how my, per how my opponent's going to return that shot. All I can do is make sure that my shot is the best shot I can make. And then I deal with what comes back and then I deal with that. And then, and it's the same thing. So you're just constantly focusing on yourself and what you can control. Once you start to get outside of yourself, then you start to have problems. I, I, <clears throat> excuse me. When you would explain it, it almost feels like, like I can relax. It simplifies it. You know, yeah. when you like, just, yeah. Yeah. Sport is a really simple thing. Any, you know, most of the things we do, they're very conceptually, they're very simple. Like sport is a very simple concept football basketball tennis i mean it's a very simple concept right you know if you talk about tennis it's a racket and a ball and you got to hit the ball over the over the over the net make sure it lands in in, in bounds right that's the concept of sport it's a very simple thing what starts to happen is when we start to overcomplicate it because we start to worry about all these things that are outside of us we start to worry about what the umpire is going to do or, we, or when we're playing we start to worry about what the referees are going to do these are things you can't control, but sport at its very basic level, it's a very simplified thing. There's a very few set of rules that you apply, you, you, you work by, and a set, uh, very few concepts that you have to stay inside. Everything outside of that is out of your control, but we overcomplicate it because we start to control the uncontrollable. That's Monitor, when it starts sure. to become Monitor a problem. Control. Yeah. It, I mean, it's literally like, I, I, so I'm having this conversation. I'm literally asking you questions that I want to hear answers to as well. Sure. So it's just so interesting that it, how simplified it really is. And mm -hmm. all these different um, concepts, meaning the anxiety, getting in the zone. And now I'm going to ask you about mental toughness and confidence. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine it has a similar answer, but I, I don't want to fill it in for you. So with yeah. mental toughness and confidence, is yeah. there ways to develop mental toughness and confidence? Yes. So, so again, so if you talk about mental toughness, right? So, so, so it's again, right? Mental toughness is basically dealing with, how do you deal with adversity? Right. And that's, that's what mental toughness is. The people who are the, 
the, the most mentally tough, they deal with adversity the best, right? I'm going to sound like a broken record. The reason they deal with adversity the best is because they work out what they can do something about and what they can't. And what they can't do something about, they just let go because that's what you do. And, and confidence is exactly the same thing. Our confidence is directly impacted by our performance, right? Now, again, if you, if you focus on the stuff that you, you know to be true, normally our confidence, so when does our confidence start to hit, right? Our confidence starts to hit if you're talking about um, a baseball player, right? If you're talking about a baseball player, you're talking about a pitcher who's like just like the confidence is shot because they're, they're throwing pitches all over the place, right? And nothing's landed in the zone and nothing's there, right? Why does their confidence go down? And what, what do they do as a result of that, right? Normally, typically, what everyone does is when their performance starts to go down, they try harder, right? That's just what you, it's a natural thing, right? So if I'm, if I'm a pitcher or if I'm a batter and, um, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm just keep missing the pitch. What do I do? I swing harder, right? I just, I just, keep, I just keep swinging harder and harder and harder, right? It's the same. You talk about a golfer. If a golfer keeps shanking the ball into the woods, what do they do? They just start hitting the ball harder, right? And what does that do? That tenses you up, right? So what's that more likely to do? It causes you to keep shanking it, right? So the idea, again, is, is like, it's, it's just, it's idea is like, you always want to strip it back to the basics. Like, what are the basics of any sport I'm playing? And the basics of any sport I'm playing is, if my technique is good, then the outcome takes care of itself. So if you can consistently... And, you know, and again, your technique can be perfect. If you're playing an opponent and they're just better than you or they just have a better day than you, your technique can still be perfect. You can still lose. But at least you walk out of there not focusing on the outcome of it. You say to yourself, well, listen, I did the best I possibly could on that particular day. On another day, it might go different as long as I focus on my technique. So it's, it's, all, about, it's all about just focusing on what are the basics of whatever sport I'm playing. And, you know, people... People like to overcomplicate their role. And you asked me at the start, what's, what's the role of a sports psychologist? A role of a sports psychologist or any mental health professional is to simplify the complicated. That's what we do. We simplify the complicated because the complicated is what, what gets you walking through the door and simplifying it gets you walking out the door doing okay. And that's what it is. We just, we overcomplicate, we overcomplicate it as a reaction to what happens to us. Instead of saying, hang on a second. So, what can I control about what's just happened to me? You know, mm -hmm. I can control my technique. So if I'm a batter, so what can I control about whether I'm hitting the pitch or not? I know that as a batter, if my technique is good, if I swing, swing correctly, if my feet is in the right position, if I'm relaxed as I'm doing it, if I focus on the ball in the right way as I'm supposed to, then my technique is good. So which would mean I have a better, better than higher, I have a higher than average chance of hitting the ball. But if I start to just say to myself, all right, this is crazy. I'm just going to, I, I need to hit the ball harder. I need to hit the ball harder. I need to hit the ball harder. Your technique is going to suffer, which sure. gives you a lower than, lower than average chance of being successful. So again, it's like, it's just sport and life and everything is, is when you think about it, it's very simple. Human beings just overcomplicate it. And it's our nature. We overcomplicate it. But when we do start to overcomplicate it, that's when we start to run into trouble. Sure. Oh, I love it. Dr. Glenn, this has been fantastic. Yeah, um, enjoyed it. Yeah. It, it, what's so nice is it really is simple. And um, I'd love to have you back on, follow yeah. up with this stuff as absolutely. well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the other part is I just always, you know, remembering that sometimes the, the simplest thing is the hardest thing to do. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, let me ask you, 
Are there any resources for the people listening that they could go to, like a book or anything that you would say is a good resource, a website, anything? Um, you know, um, you know what? There's a book that was written by um, he's a sports psychiatrist in England, and it's if you read it, you'll think I'm nuts, but it is it, it essentially it's called um, it's called the Chimp Paradox. Okay. Right. Um, and it's a short, it's a very short paperback book. Um, and it, he breaks it down into his idea that essentially, right, your brain is comprised of two things. It's comprised of a very rational section of your brain. And then the other part of your brain is just like a wild monkey, mm -hmm. essentially. Right. And the idea that when the monkey gets out of control, you get out of control. Right. Because the monkey is only focused on self-gratification getting stuff done quickly all of that kind of stuff and you you learn how you learn how to tame your monkey essentially it's great right? i love it it's it's, it's, it's a it's great analogy oh yeah it is but it's 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 a great it's a great way to read about it in a way that is not it's not technical at all love and it. he breaks it down into all kinds of stuff talking about moons and planets and all kinds of stuff but when you read it it's that it actually the 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 science and the logic behind it there's science behind it and it actually it, it follows exactly what i talk about but it's just it's a way of putting it that, that it's easy to read easy to read so it's a chimp paradox i you can get it on amazon i've got i got my copy off amazon um he's a nice guy too i met him i met him a couple of times so but yeah he's um but yeah it's a good book i, I would recommend that one because it's it's just a very layman's way of talking about it it's not technical at all perfect again thank you so much you're welcome all right Thank you for listening to another episode of Eye on the Prize. Your feedback is how we grow. So please leave us a rating and review on your favorite platform. And if you want to know even more great information, go to eyeontheprize.com.